minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning Welcome to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, Australia's sacred cow, Slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Toscana, hosting today's program. If during the program you are kind of fall ill, as I said before, the bikey next door wants a cup of sugar for his meth lab, knocks on your door, Asia is looking for you, don't despair, the program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au, 3cr.org.au. Today, it's Budget Reply Day. Budget Reply Day. And I do like to reply to the budget, because especially this budget, which really isn't a budget, it's basically a pre-election cash handout. But uh, I just, I'm going to approach this from a a number of different ways, not like a normal broadcaster and uh, commentator. Now, the Coalition's budget projections, that's a little bit like looking into a, you know, the mirror and saying, what what will I be in 10 years' time? Where will I be? Now, looking at the Coalition's, Josh Frydenberg's budget projections, I couldn't help thinking that he'd copied the budget projections from the fairies at the bottom of the garden's shopping list. That's right. The fairies at the bottom of the gardens are back, and it's not the Greens. It's our great economic managers, the Coalition Government. Beep, beep. Also looking at the budget as a whole, and I did suffer. I did suffer yesterday through this for you. You know, because I know you wouldn't bother suffering for what I had to do. I had to listen to it. I had to listen to Josh Frydenberg, look at the content, regurgitate, come back inside. Now, the Coalition's 2019's budget is a blueprint for trickle-down economic theory. Brilliant blueprint for trickle-down economic theory. And guess what? The Morrison government thinks it can buy your vote by giving you a tax cut that buys you one serving of smashed avocado a week. Millenniums, beware. All these young people, beware. You'll have to gorge yourself on smashed avocado and you still won't be able to buy that house, will you, because you're eating too much of it. So what did I think of it? It wasn't even a con job. 
the whole point of a con job is that it's not obvious. This was such an obvious piece of garbage. Such an obvious piece of economic garbage. And not to be outdone, my favourite, my favourite legacy newspaper, Murdoch's Herald Sun, the biggest selling newspaper in the land of Oz, stated on its front page with its budget wraparound, yes, I do had to read it this morning, I wanted to see how they would how would they, they would analyse this. They said, the only way, the only way you can get your tax cut, boys and girls, is by voting the Morrison government back into power when the election is called. They forgot to say that basically the Morrison government was playing catch-up politics as far as the Labor Party's tax policy. And when you look at their tax policies, they're almost the same. But what I love about this budget is the fact that they think, they think you and me are fools. They think we're idiots. And my apology to idiots. They think we are fools. They think we have the memory capacity of a goldfish. They think we do not have a brain. They think if they you know they, they slide a twenty dollar buck into our pocket, there's ten million people who will be affected by the tax cuts. Not the twenty four, twenty five million Australians, but those, you know, ten million that somehow we will forget. That we will forget. And we won't forget the national debt was $175 billion when they were elected to office six years ago. $175 billion. Today, the national debt is $360 billion. And that national debt has not exploded because of increased generosity to Social Security beneficiaries like New Start Allowance, single parents, disability support pensioners and old age pensioners. No, that extra $190 billion has been frittered away into corporate welfare. Now, I know I spoke about the 25,000, 30,000 people who are going to be greatly affected by the franking dividend cuts which the Labor Party wants to introduce if it's elected in the next few weeks. But everybody seems to have forgotten the 750,000 Australians, older Australians, whose ability to access an old age pension or a partial old age pension was removed by the government changing the goalposts as far as asset 
were concerned. If you live on more than five acres, you are ineligible for a pension because that property is considered to be an asset. Could be 5.2 acres. So 750,000 Australians had their pension entitlements curtailed 12 months ago and there was no hullabaloo. There was no cry, although people tried. The government girl at ABC and the corporate-owned media, you know, kept trudging along as if nothing's happened. The Labor Party introduced some pathetic, minor reform to stop giving people taxpayers' money for owning shares and the end of the world has come. And those that will be mostly affected will actually have more than $2 million in shares. You need about $2 million in shares to get $8,000 in franking credits. And what cost $6.5 billion last year may cost $20 billion in four or five years' time. So they think you're stupid. They think you're a fool. In the budget, they had a little bit of extra money for apprentices. Apprenticeship numbers have dropped from about 420,000 six years ago to less than 270,000 today. And that's occurred because of the gutting of the TAFE system, the destruction of the TAFE system across the country. And remember when apprentices could get a bit of a, a hand up by being, you know, the government helping them to buy tools, well, guess what the Morrison government did? It made it into a loan. So no longer do only students have hex debts, but also apprentices, debts to the government. Then we're told that they have made record Record investment in the health sector. Well, how about all those cuts to the public health sector, which occurred when Abbott was in power? And because they put a little bit of money back, we're supposed to think there is an increase in the health budget by the current government. It's a little bit like me going to your fridge and seeing you've got four tomatoes and I take two of those tomatoes and take them to my place and a year later I think, oh, I owe you two tomatoes and I come back and I give you one tomato. That's the type of economics they are, you know, the Josh... Frydenberg budget is all about. Let's hope that little person loses his seat. They must think we're fools. The same with education. The same with the education budget. You cut it, then you put a little bit in, and then you say, Hallelujah, brothers and sisters. Hallelujah, brothers and sisters. Look at what we've done for you. Look at what we've done for you. Then we've got the pathetic energy 
concession to people on receiving social security benefits. Oh, and guess what? The Treasurer remembered today, Wednesday the 3rd of April 2019, a day after he delivered the budget, that he better give the same energy concession to New Start Allowance recipients because the New Start Allowance hasn't increased in 30 bloody years. Extraordinary. You may think, they must think we... You know, we wake up, we must have a bilateral frontal lobotomy. They must think that our memory span, as I said before, is shorter than a goldfish's memory span. It's extraordinary. Just extraordinary garbage. Where is the vision? Where is it? This is a budget designed to reward individual greed. It is not a budget that is designed to look after the interests of the population as a whole. This is not a budget that is designed to tackle the problems we face as a nation and as a people and the surplus the surplus I love this this is my favourite this is my absolute favourite the surplus Mr Frydenberg the Federal Treasurer gets up and says there will be a surplus of 7.1 billion dollars For the first time in 14 years, we've had a surplus. I thought to myself, wow, these people are great economic managers. They've actually been able to save a bit of money and use that money for something beneficial. Then I realised, listening to the Treasurer, this wasn't a real surplus. This was a projected surplus. This is what they were hoping it would be. It's a little bit like you, you know, doing your budgeting and then you're thinking, ooh, I may have 10 bucks left at the end of this, which I can splurge on some ice cream and lollies and chocolates. But then you find that there's an extra bill comes in and you haven't got that extra 10 bucks. And what I really loved about this, and this is one area where I think the Prime Minister and the Cabinet are the fools, idiots and liars, and I'll stand by that, is the fact that one-third of the surplus, around 30% of this projected surplus, will come from unused money which was allocated to the National Disability Insurance Scheme. Now, I've worked with some of the most physically disabled people in this country for the last 40 years. That has been my occupation. And I know this field in and out, unlike the Prime Minister, who has no idea what he's talking about when it comes to the National Disability Insurance Scheme. The National Disability Insurance Scheme as a surplus because the government 
has designed the rollout of the system, and let's not forget, it hasn't been completely rolled out, it has designed the rollout of the system in such a way as to ensure that they can steal from disabled people. And they've done this in a number of ways, which I've spoken about before on this program. They've done this by actually limiting the amount of staff who can process the 420,000 applications which need to be processed. They have done this by employing people who have no experience in the field. They have done this by manipulating the system in such a way as to deny people money for services that have been, money has been allocated for, so that they, it would be, funds would be unused. And I can tell you case after case after case after case after case of my own patients who find themselves in that situation. So who do they think they are? Do they think we're utter, complete fools? Do they think we don't think beyond our hip pocket? Do they think if they can, if we're working and they shove 20 bucks in our pocket every week, that somehow we will be grateful and vote them back into office, this dysfunctional government that doesn't have a climate change policy, this dysfunctional government that has berated, marginalised, criticised the 33% of Australians who rely on social security benefits to survive. Who do they think they're fooling? irrespective of their champions in the corporate-owned media and, to a lesser extent, the government guild at ABC, we remember, we know, and we will make sure that the lies, the double-talk, the obfuscation, which we see in this budget, is outed outed. Extraordinary. Just an extraordinary piece of garbage. Give you an example. We're told there'll be a surplus because we're such great economic managers and that mineral exports, mineral exports, especially iron ore and coal, have resulted in increased tax receipts to the government. Now let's look at this. Now Australia does have an extraordinary amount of minerals. Iron ore, coal, rare metals, diamonds, gold, and the list goes on and on. But the current boost in iron ore prices, and to a lesser degree coal prices, are based on the fact that our major competitor, Brazil, which is also a mineral exporter, a major mineral exporter to China, has had a number of nasty so-called accidents 
because the companies in Brazil have been cutting too many corners. Not only have they been killing people, but their ability to export iron ore has dropped by 25%. So the Australian companies have stepped in to make up that shortfall. How long that shortfall will last is a matter for debate. So it's about luck. It's not about economic managers. These people couldn't even manage a bloody pub chook raffle. They couldn't. They're a bunch of losers. Let's hope they will be losers in the next few weeks. Even, I mean, what type of society do we live in? Wouldn't it be... We get a tax receipt from exporting iron ore and coal, okay, and rare... Well, we get tax receipts, we get tax... Why should private corporations actually be running this show? Why should minerals that are in the earth be exploited by private corporations to augment the profits of their major shareholders? Why can't we as a nation do our own mining? Why can't we run our own gold exploration companies, our own gas companies, nickel companies? Why does the private sector always have to have the ace in their hand? Why do we give it to the private sector and then we beg and beseech for a little bit of tax revenue? It's extraordinary. What an extraordinary place we live in. A rich land, a rich land with 25 million people on a continent, not some, you know, rain-soaked little piece of the earth somewhere where people are trying to eke out an existence and survive, but 25 million people on a continent. Mineral-rich. And we cannot even find the resources to look after the needs of the twenty of the thirty percent of Australians who are on social security benefits. And it gets better. It gets better. We now have got the ridiculous situation where the business sector and industry, as well as re- religious based charities, And commentators are calling for wage increase, and trade unions obviously, calling for wage increases for workers. But what did this government do? It removed penalty payments for the most poorest marginalised workers by, while fighting tooth and nail to ensure there wasn't a banking royal commission to expose the excesses of the privately owned banking sector. Think about it. They must think we're fools. They must think we're fools. Well, I know who the fools are, and you know who the fools are, and we are not the fools, because we remember. Just like a dog that's been kicked by somebody remembers years later, Just like a magpie 
remembers years later the kids that threw rocks at it in the tree. We remember. We know. Maybe many Australians choose to forget, but as long as a small minority of us remember, we can bring their shortcomings to people's attention. You listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. My name is Joseph Toscano. You can go to a number of websites, Facebook pages, uh, YouTube channels, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest YouTube channel. Should be uh, a new presentation every week and hopefully the budget reply presentation will be up in the next uh, week or so. By then, we'll be into the froze of a federal election. Everybody will have forgotten this pathetic 24-hour light shower of a budget. Um, you can leave messages on 0439 395 489. 0439 395 489. You can email me at anarchistage at yahoo.com anarchistage at yahoo.com now if you're really pissed off and you want a political party in the fray not for this federal election because we've run out of time but maybe for the next federal election that wants to put the interests of the many the public before the interests of the few the corporate sector first well then why don't you join public interest before corporate interest pipsi p-i-b-c-i go to pipsi.net We've got a pretty sophisticated uh, web page. Have a look at it, pipsy.net. But it doesn't matter how sophisticated the web page is. If we don't have 550 members on the electoral roll, we can't apply for registration as a federal political party. So if what you've heard in the budget makes you sick and you want to take it one step further and you want to see people with real policies in future federal elections, not the forthcoming one, but future federal elections, now's the time to join public interest before corporate interest. You can download the application from, from Pibsi, P-I-B-C-I dot net, P-I-B-C-I dot net. You can write for applications form to Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052, Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can email for an application form to info at pipsy.net. Info at pipsy.net. Because it doesn't matter how erudite you and I are, unless we get into the fray, nothing will change. Our current membership, on the electoral roll, it was around 400. We know 150 people. I keep asking every week. I don't see many applications drifting in. But if you uh, want to join us, there are mechanisms by which you can join. Read the Constitution. If you're happy with the Constitution, join up. Become a member of public interest before corporate interest. Maybe you can take up the fight to them in electoral terms at the next federal election, not the one that's coming in the next few weeks. And don't forget, we're also a popular movement and uh, we're involved in the uh, the public interest 
uh, public housing, everybody's business campaign, which has now been going on for two years. PIPSI has been behind that. It's a PIPSI initiative. We're very keen for people to join us. For the month of April, we'll be rallying on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House at 1pm on Wednesday the 3rd, Wednesday the 10th, Wednesday the 17th, Wednesday the 24th. And I'm sure you know, it'll be about an hour, 1 to 2pm, so turn up. It's still an issue. Nothing in the budget about housing affordability. Nothing in the budget about, you know, returning overtime payments to the most poorly paid workers in this country. Nothing in the budget about a new start allowance, increase the new start allowance. Nothing in the budget regarding climate change. And I could go on and on and on. I'd be here all day telling you what wasn't in the budget. But if you like the feel of a $20 note in your pocket, these are the people for you. These are your people. You're listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Let's move on. Now, I don't know how many people know that the Indonesian government declared war on the West Papuan independence movement in West Papua. And over the last three months, we have seen some extraordinary situation happening in West Papua where the military might of the Indonesian government has been used to try to wipe out the West Papuan independence movement, which have been struggling for independence for the past 60 years. Now, I'm the convener of the West Papuan Rent Collective, and four, four years ago, now in its fifth year, we, I and my late wife, Ellen Jose, and the Anarchist Institute, made a decision that we would like to see the West Papuan activists in this country have an office and that we organise a mechanism by which the rent for this office would be paid. Not by West Papuan activists who have enough trouble surviving and conducting their independent struggle both here in West Papua, but by interested people in Australia, interested Australians who are willing to pay the rent of substantial office. Now, the Rent Collective has now been running four years. Now we're entering our fifth year. And every four months we have a lunch, which is organised by the West Papua Independence Movement. And on Sunday, the 7th of April, that's this Sunday, at 1pm, lunch will be provided by Dapul Sampari, which is the Morning Star Kitchen, and the Morning Star is the prominent feature on the West Papuan independence flag. And, and many, many people have been killed in West Papua for having the audacity to raise the Morning Star flag by the Indonesian military. So it is a flag that means something soaked in blood. So 1pm lunch, 2pm speaker, Nadine Rutter, the Campaign in Australia for West Papua at the 2019 UN General Assembly. Because the West Papua Independence Movement has been fighting for many years to put West Papua on the decolonisation list in the United Nations and they're getting closer and closer and closer 
So, lunch, if you're a West Papuan Ren Collective member, is free. And obviously, many Ren Collective members will be there on the day. And to be a Ren Collective member is very simple. You can do it anonymously. All you've got to do is put your money, a dollar a day. You can do it in one lump sum of $365. Or you can do it every month, $30, into a Commonwealth Bank account. You don't have to identify yourself. You can if you wish. And that helps the office to chug along. It pays the rent. It frees up West Papuan activists to do what they're best at doing, agitating for West Papuan independence. So it'll be this Sunday at 7th, 7th of April 2019. This is one of these things where you can try before you buy. Turn up. Turn up. Have a look. Meet the activists. Meet the activists. Turn up. So it'll go from 1pm to 3.30pm. Lunch at 1 to 2. $15 for the lunch. Uh, if you don't have any lunch, well, obviously you don't pay $15. Free entry. But $15 for the lunch. Rent collective members free. Everybody who's interested is welcome. Uh, if you want to become a, a rent collective member, and we are looking for another 15 members, people drop out because they die. It's a fact of life. They move on. They run out of resources. So we need another 15 members. We're 15 members short currently. We need about 75 members usually to keep the uh, to pay the rent at 838 Collins Street. That's in Docklands, 838 Collins Street, Docklands. Just come in through the front door or walk around the back. It's uh, We're using the uh, boardroom for this. And um, all I can say is this is one of the most worthwhile things I have personally been involved in. It does pay dividends. It has given the West Papuan independence movement the ability to conduct their campaign. We don't tell them how to conduct their campaign. We have no direct input into the office unless people want to volunteer. We pay the rent. They run the independence struggle, and that's the way it should be. So it's 838 Collins Street. It's uh, Unit 201, 201, but go to 838 Collins Street. You don't have to ring anybody. Just turn up on the 7th of April. There'll be many people there. There'll be... Uh, Information stand, there'll be uh, speakers, even yours truly will be speaking for a few minutes about the West Parkland uh, Rent Collective. So, uh, as I said before, why waste your money for uh, ooh, two cups of coffee a week? Give up two cups of coffee, your local coffee shop, and you can join the West Parkland Rent Collective, a dollar a day, keep the office going, help them in their long-term independence struggle. Let's not forget, West Papua is 72 kilometres from Australia. How many people know that the Indonesian government declared war on the West Papua independence movement in uh, December last year? That's the parliament. How many people know about the atrocities that are occurring in West Papua? How many people realise that from a population of West Indigenous West Papuans, about 1.2 million, that over 500,000 has died directly and indirectly as a result of that independence war since the 1960s in this corner of the uh, this corner of the planet so uh, 
I look forward to meeting you and seeing you at the 838 Collins Street Docklands. 838 Collins Street Docklands. Follow the signs. Walk around at the back of the building. You'll smell the food. You know, if you're not a Rent Collective member, this is a chance to become a Rent Collective member. Come along, listen to the speakers, see what's going on, have a look at the office, see whether it's something you'd like to get involved in. It's not often. It's not, this isn't like um, you know those you know the people you sponsor overseas. You get a little a little card once a year and a few other begging messages during the year. Different concept. This is about providing an infrastructure for the West Papuan community to conduct their independent struggle in the way they see fit. So hopefully you'll be there on Sunday, 1pm to 3.30pm, and obviously it ends with coffee and cake. Now, if 202 Israelis had been shot dead on the border between Gaza and Palestine during the last year, I'm reasonably confident we would be on the brink of a world war. Well, over the past year, over 200 Palestinians who've been protesting outside the fence, the prison fence, that separates the Gaza Strip from Israel proper, have been shot dead by Israeli soldier snipers. And the world has not even noticed, let alone care, but notice... Think about it. Protests on the Gazan side of the Israeli border. Over 200 young men, sometimes women and children, shot dead. Bang. Dead. Hundreds more wounded. Some with permanent disabling injuries. Does the United Nations do anything? No, because the United States of America continues to cast a veto. It's cast, I think, over 400 vetoes regarding putting the Palestinian question on the United Nations agenda. Think about it. I think it gives you an indication of the desperation almost 2 million people living in what is little more than a concrete jail. Just a jail. And what's their crime? The crime is they are Palestinians. The crime is they were dispossessed. Their crime is... that they exist. 
Now, I'm told there is an election going on in Israel in the next few days. And you know what the major issue is? That the Israeli government hasn't been tough enough on the Palestinians in the Gaza Strip. Now, I think shooting dead over 200 Palestinians who are protesting on their side of the fence, you know, is a tough response. But in Israel, we have a Prime Minister who's fighting for survival, whose best mate is President Grape of the United States of America, who basically thinks, well, the Groper is in office, he can do whatever he likes, continue not just to stymie the Palestinians' ambition for independent nation-state, but to actually continue to kill people because they're protesting on their side of the border. Ah, well, I'll leave it up to you. I'm here to commentate. There's one issue which is intractable, but... If it was a, you know, to me, the best way to resolve this issue would be for the United Nations to get involved and put troops on the border. But we're not going to see this because the United States of America continues to veto any requests for the United Nations to actually intervene in Israel. This is the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org. That's 3cr.org. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org. That's 3cr.org. Climate change or climate catastrophe, climate dystopia. We've just had the hottest March we've ever had in Australia. Averages temperatures are up by 2.17%. Much of the country is still in drought. A little bit has been drowned in heavy rains. But it doesn't matter, does it? It doesn't really matter because climate change doesn't exist. And more importantly, human-caused climate change doesn't exist. Well, Well, that's what the current government thinks. And when I see the likes of Mr Barnaby Joyce, who I hope will also lose his seat at the forthcoming election, crap on about the need for another, for a government subsidised. Now, these are the people who talk about free trade, standing on your own feet, no government support, privatisation of the electricity industry, you know, privatise the polls, privatise the distribution, privatise the generators. This is the crowd that did this with support from the alternative Liberal Party masquerading as the Australian Labor Party as far as this issue is concerned. They did it all. Prices have risen. Investment is stymied because even, even investors know that investing in coal-fired power stations is a dead end financially. 
So we get the likes of a former Deputy Prime Minister, a man who still thinks he's Deputy Prime Minister, Mr Barnaby Joyce, and his cohorts carrying on about the need for a coal-fired power station to be government-subsidised. Extraordinary. Just extraordinary. Now, Mr Abbott... The former Prime Minister, I think, has finally come to his senses. And you know why he's changing his tune? Because he's worried about losing his seat in Sydney. He's worried about doing a John Howard. Let's not forget, a John Howard was actually turfed out of office as Prime Minister, the second Prime Minister in Australian history to be turfed out of office by the electors. Now, Mr Rabbit, facing a determined challenge on many fronts, has finally realised that in order to have any chance of retaining his seat in Sydney, he needs to become a born-again climate changer. He's got to get rid of that flat earth, climate change, flat earth policy he's been pushing for so long. So while Mr Joyce jumps up and down, Mr Rabbit is hiding in a corner, concerned about the independent push to have him removed from office. And there are many of these people who should be removed from office. The other one is Mr Hunt, the current health minister who's crowing about the extra amount of money which has been put into health care in the current budget, well, Mr Hunt and Senator Cormann were the engine room. They were the et to a Brutus in the Malcolm Turnbull political assassination. They were Dutton's henchmen. Unfortunately, Senator Cormann will be re-elected as a senator because he's got the number one ticket. I don't even know if he has got to stand for re-election. This election most likely he doesn't. But Mr Hunt, with a 12% majority in the seat of Flinders, is fighting a determined battle. Not that I feel sorry for them, because if they lose their seats, there'll be all these business corporations which will be waiting to put them on their boards, as we see constantly. Australia's one of the few places on earth where you can be a minister, cabinet minister, one minute, and a member of a board of a major corporation the next minute. And if they can't get a job on a board because they're unemployable, if you look at their superannuation entitlements and their retirement entitlements, you would drop dead. They are extraordinarily generous These are the same people who deny some of the most poorly paid workers on the planet overtime payment for working ungodly hours. And my apologies to the gods for that. Extraordinary. It is an extraordinary situation we find ourselves in. Because if we continue to let them, and I'm talking about all political parties treat us as fools they'll continue to treat us as fools 
and we need both to be involved in extra-parliamentary action as well as parliamentary action. Now today or tomorrow, Senator 19, this is a man whose name will not be mentioned on this on this program, Senator 19, the man who got 19 votes, the accidental senator who faces re-election, who wants to carve out a little niche for him in order to be to the right of Genghis Khan and Pauline Hanson's Divided Nation Party. Senator 19 was crying yesterday, metaphorically. He felt hard done by. He made some particularly stupid and foolish and ignorant comments regarding the slaughter of 50 New Zealanders two weeks ago. And he now claims, because he's going to be censured by most of the senators, not all, divided nation will, you know, not vote on the question, because we know where there are, where there are, where there ideas lie. We know where they, we know where they sleep, you know, fleas and dogs. But divided nation, he's going to be censored. He claims it's an attack on his free speech. Well, mate, I'm going to tell you about free speech because this is what we do on the Anarchist World this week. Free speech. Free speech is speaking your mind. But free speech is not other people not getting up and criticising you for your comments. I don't care how inhumane they were, how ignorant they were, how stupid they were. But what I care about is the fact that most right-wing commentators in this country have got glasses, got glass jaws. They love to spout the hate, but when people get up and stand up to them and tell them they're idiots and fools and ignorant, they can't take it. Their free speech has been impinged. Well, your free speech hasn't been impinged, mate. You were allowed to say those things. You're not in jail for saying those things. But don't expect to get away scot-free. That's what free speech is about. It's not about social cohesion. It's not about social cohesion, as Mr Birmingham in in the Senate said yesterday when he, you know, he rebuffed Senator 19. Free speech is about having the guts to stand up to the criticism that your ideas, when you put out your ideas and you make your comments. And that's what happens to me every week for the last 40 years, 42 years. That's what free speech is about. And next time I see some conservative, reactionary, brain-dead commentator, you know, complain about their lack of free speech because somebody is willing to give an opposing point of view. I will regurgitate and vomit. So I've done a lot of vomiting today on the Anarchist World this week. As I said, a budget for fools, only a fool would actually be sucked in by Josh Frydenberg. First and hopefully last budget. The aspiring Prime Minister will have to wait, cool his heels on the back benches, hopefully. Or maybe he may even lose his seat. You never know. I doubt he will. But you never know your luck in a big city. If you don't put your hat in, 
if you don't buy a ticket, you're not going to win that Tats Lotto um, dividend. So you'll be listening to Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au. My name is Joseph Toscana. Happy to accept your criticisms. Write them in. Email them, anarchistage at yahoo.com. Leave pleasant messages on 0439 395 489. You can write to me at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can go to my personal Facebook page, see what's going on. Toscano for the public. Toscano for the public. Go to the YouTube channel. YouTube channel, public interest before corporate interest. I do one presentation a week. I've uh, reactivated the uh, Twitter stream for Pipsy underscore AU. Pipsy underscore AU. And uh, see what we think. Hopefully we'll be able to do Twitters every day. So let's see how we go. So a lot out there. It's up to you. You can fall asleep. You can rage. Or you can join public interest before corporate interest. Pipsy.org. Remember, there's no point raging if you're not willing to do the hard yards and get involved. And don't forget, West Papua Open Day this Sunday, 1 p.m., 838 Collins Street, lunch $15. You don't have to buy lunch. If you don't want to eat, that's fine. Free entry if you don't buy lunch. Many speakers see what's happening in West Papua today. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station via the Community Radio Network. Listen in to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station next week. And if it's not on your local community radio station, ask them why. So once again, a budget for fools, designed by fools, written by fools. The only problem is we are not fools. We have a memory. We know what's going on. We know you're not the economic managers you think you are. We know you through and through. And we're sick and tired of your lies and sick of tide of you taking us to be fools because we are not. The only thing I'm unhappy about is when you ter- if you're turfed out of office, you're going to have some wonderful superannuation payments and you're going to lead a really good life and all the people you screwed for so long and abused will continue to be abused and screwed unless they get up off on their feet and demand change. See you next week. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World This Week, Australia's Sacred Cow Slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, Lord, yeah.